Today's subject, where is my dad with the milk? <laughs> oh, he left again. <laughs> again? Yeah. He, he came, came back, back after I... 21 years when I won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> then the money ran out and he left again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this time my mom left with him. <laughs> I am at an orphanage. <laughs> at 21? I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I have a mental disorder where I am a child, even though I am 21. I identify as a child. <laughs> I identify as an orphan. <laughs> oh gosh, that's horrible. Hi guys, I'm Baird, and uh, welcome back to Baja Talks episode 5, I believe. I am here with the illustrious... Illustrious? Gabriel Lalde. Why, hello there. And we are going to be discussing a couple different topics. Um, Gabe, do you want to give them some background on uh, yourself? I don't know. Um, sure, I guess. Like I mean, things you like to do. Consider it an icebreaker challenge. <laughs> icebreaker challenge. Just like the ice bucket challenge. <laughs> Not um, that kind of challenge. Well, I love electronics as in like computers stuff like that i'm a electronics enthusiast i it's most of what i do um i'm starting to learn music from uh baird here as Let's well go. as on my own <laughs> um but besides that i don't really do much <laughs> i just kind of uh mess with electronics and know a lot about electronics so. he plays a lot of vr yeah vr is fun very immersive. Well, yeah, because it's VR. I'd be worried <laughs> if it wasn't immersive. What are you paying for then? <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo, bro, you heard about the new uh, non-immersive VR? It's crazy, bro. That's called a monitor. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, bro. It's like playing a normal video game. That's crazy. <laughs> Man, <laughs> next level. <laughs> We're evolving just backwards. <laughs> yep. But yeah, that's my background. I don't really have much of a background. Yeah, so that actually sort of plays into what we're going to be, or at least one of the subjects that we're going to be talking today, which is uh, music production, because like he said, he produces, I produce, that's something that we're both on the same wavelength with, uh, how, how I get it, because wavelength production, <laughs> <laughs> sine waves, waves. <laughs> <laughs> I love waves. waves. <laughs> I love waves. I have so much drip. Yo, those make music, right? <laughs> Yo, let's go. Okay, so yeah, what are our favorite genres? Uh, Gabe can go first because <laughs> I like. Every, I'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, I like. Uh, I think my favorite right now would be hard style. It's. Definitely one of the it's most. Where he gets hard. <laughs> yeah, in style. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely like hard style because uh, it definitely has like some of those uh, melodies. I like. I really like melodies. Shawty, he's making melodies. That I can't keep out. She's got me singing like. <laughs> na, 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 every day. 
Um, and then it's got those like really hard, punchy kicks. Those are hard. <laughs> That's probably why it's called hard style. Honestly, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. So Gabe likes a lot of like electronic music. Yes, EDM. I don't know if he really listens to much. Like, I he, I know he listens to some like trap. Um, but I don't think he really listens to like rock or metal and stuff all that much. I do kind of like metal because it's a little harder. Yeah. I, I surprisingly like the harder stuff. I think the um, the fact that I play Beat Saber kind of plays into um, my likes for like music. Yeah, be- Beat Saber I think does because if it doesn't have like a good beat or something, you're probably not going to play it. Yeah. And or I feel like a lot. Yeah, I feel like a lot of uh, metal songs as well are going to have more, like, interesting sections to play with Beat Saber, because they're going to have, like, double kick patterns and stuff. Yeah. That you'll have to bustle on a metal is, like, faster than just, like, pop rock. Yeah, I uh, do like the, like, the leads, like, the guitar leads that are, like, all distorted. Yeah. Because they usually have, like, uh, interesting riffs and stuff like that. So, yeah, and pop rock is just like, let me lay down these four chords and uh, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, besides hard style and I guess metal, I also like chip tune. Chip tune's pretty cool. Yeah, he makes some fire chip tune music. I'll <laughs> I'll link his music account in the bottom of this podcast. Make sure to check the link in description. <laughs> Don't forget go. to like and subscribe. <laughs> Make sure to hit that little bell icon on the side so you get notifications when we release. <laughs> and join our free gift card giveaway. <laughs> and if you're not already subscribed to the Patreon, remember, guys. <laughs> it supports me. <laughs> it supports me. Uh, I know you're a starving college student and don't have any money, but you should, like, give me some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every month, over and over. <laughs> well, uh, what are your favorite genres? Because I honestly don't know. <laughs> I, I listen to literally everything. Um, I like rock, I like pop, I like EDM, I like metal, I like soundtracks, I like... The only thing I don't listen to is pop country, which there's like a specific... Basically like top 40 radio country because it's not actually country it's just like guitars and then some dude singing about like his dead wife and his dog <laughs> and, like his pickup truck <laughs> yeah. and they always have like the same western accent that's not actual country i feel like most people don't like country and i'm one of those people <laughs> yeah it's just the worst genre of music <laughs> there's actual country that's like like bluegrass and stuff that stuff is actually really good the guitars are usually the more of a like a focal point it's bluegrass and stuff is a lot closer to like the rock genre when people when you say country people think of like top 40 radio country which is like that's just pop music that's just pop trap music um think like old town road that's the kind of stuff that people think about when you say country um yeah actual country like bluegrass i like that kind of country sometimes i think artists like calio who dip into that area are really really good um and then 
all the people like Brett, Brett or I don't, they all have the same. Like country artists always have the most generic names, <laughs> like Brett Actually. something or other. Like except for uh, probably like Billy Ray Cyrus, he's a little bit different. Yeah. He he d- does more like actual. He's closer to like actual country though. Yeah. Then actual country is a little bit better in my opinion. To yeah. Like pop country or whatever, because they just kind of. It's basically country trying to appeal to everyone. <laughs> yeah, which I mean is most pop music, but I feel like country suffers the most from that. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, it's it's a whole mess. And I feel like all their names sound like Tom Brady, but not Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jerry <laughs> Craw or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, Jerry Craw or something. <laughs> like Red Eddie or something, I don't know. <laughs> Just some like basic like four letter or yeah. six letter names. They always sound as American as they can possibly sound. <laughs> as redneck as they can get. Yeah. It's I know other genres of music are like I would say rap is more oversaturated at this point because yeah. certain things um within the industry, but especially the rise of uh mumble rap. Yeah. I feel like rap in general, though, I guess that's a topic that we can talk about, but I feel like that is the most oversaturated area of the industry due to, um, like, the rise in just having a DAW on your computer. Yeah. And... Digital audio workstation, for people yeah, who don't know. for people who don't know that. Um, that would be, like, GarageBand, Logic, FL Studio, Ableton. Um, the one... I use Logic, and I... And then, like... GarageBand sometimes if I'm teaching people stuff, and then I've also used Ableton, Reaper, FL Studio, um, a couple other random ones like Cubase and stuff. Gabe uses FL Studio. Yeah, FL Studio I like. I definitely like want to try like Ableton at some point, but I need someone else to be there with me because I don't (laughs) just want to do it by myself. I don't know. Ableton like seems weird. Yeah. Ableton is, like, the least user-friendly. Um, Steep learning curve. Yeah, I'd say Pro Tools is probably the most complex, but Ableton is, like, out of the three, like, FL, Logic, Ableton, out of the three, like, main ones that people use who aren't professionals, Ableton definitely is the most confusing. It's, it's more geared toward, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to work in a studio. Whereas, like, FL Studio is geared towards people who just want to make, like, trap beats or electronic music. And then Logic yeah. is kind of in the middle of that. And then I heard also Reaper is a little bit like, um, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Ableton? Think of it. Yeah, Ableton. Yeah. I heard that Reaper was like Ableton, but, you know, it's a little bit more geared towards uh, EDM type stuff yeah it's, they've got a lot of good plugins for that for edm reaper also works really well for sound design i do stuff for in like the game dev industry and a lot of people who work in the game dev industry is in like the sound side of things whether that's effects or like composing or implementing like uh ambiences and like character you know effects and stuff they usually use reaper for that because it works really well with a go-between called 
Wise, W Wise, um, which works as sort of a go between. Yeah. So I think that rap has been oversaturated by like, in the last you know, <clears throat> ten years we've had. Like now anybody can just get a free DAW. Like it's <laughs> it's so yeah. easy to just make a crappy trap beat. <laughs> I mean, that's like a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Yeah, it's a it double edged sword. With, uh, yeah, it helps with a lot of like uh, people who are trying to get into the industry, or you know, just like make beats for a living. Uh, it helps them get into that without having to pay like thousands of dollars for software and like studio time and stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, but um, on the other end, that means that anybody can <laughs> join in and make their own thing. Yeah, if As they're not serious about it, then it's like it's not that great. I feel because I feel like because like it's so prevalent now, like everybody just can get a free doll on their computer. As the rise of good goes up, and there's more people who are discovered through that kind of stuff, like people like uh, Juice World, who mm -hmm. came up through places like SoundCloud, and you know we're just doing stuff in like their room or whatever. Um, Nick Mira is a really good example of that, just producing from his bedroom. I've never heard of Nick Mira. He's he does like uh, he produced Lucid Dreams and then oh. blew up, and he did like most of Juice's stuff. He's Loan, who like was the whole internet money uh, thing. He does most rappers in that like genre. If they sound like Juice World, it's probably a Nick Mira thing. Gotcha. He does like Lil Tecca and stuff. Uh, you know that whole area of like SoundCloud rap is like his. He's the person who helped make it popular, producing wise. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so there's people like him who do. You know, they come up and they like change the music industry as a whole. But then there's a lot of people like as you know the amount of good goes up, the amount of trash also goes up. <laughs> yeah, you it's basically like you try and find a diamond in the rough. <laughs> yeah. But I mean it, it's it's good that way because it helps you discover more indie artists yeah. that you enjoy and have a different uh unique styles. There's less of, like, a gatekeeping going on. Yeah. Because you don't have to get picked up by a label anymore to make it. Yeah. Or even, like, gain a following. Because, <laughs> yeah. so. I mean, there's plenty of artists who do really good stuff and aren't signed to labels. They just have, like, a cult fan base and, like, <laughs> that's, that's it. That's all they need. Yeah. I think, uh, overall, the good has probably outweighed the bad. <laughs> I'd say so because it definitely has uh, helped a lot with uh, you know tailoring to different crowds of people. Yeah, and they don't just have to listen to one song that best fits what they're trying to look for. Yeah, it's a it's a lot easier. I feel like for uh, like now we've got all kinds of micro genres that probably weren't possible like the whole emo rap thing that wasn't like a thing really that was a very underground scene till people like juice and x and Lil p blew it up um so i feel like also that adds to like the you know here's a lot of things that you might never have found otherwise that probably would have never been popularized if you know everybody just wasn't able to replicate that sound but 
I mean, I guess it's not that bad for the music industry as a whole because if you, I feel like trap and, and you know rap are the ones that suffer the most because you can make that using just like a DAW. Yeah. Whereas if you want to make like metal or something, you probably have to go learn to actually play an instrument. Yeah. Because I yeah, rap probably takes the least amount of skill. Yeah. Like not. Um, not saying like. Yeah. Not saying that the rappers, you know, aren't talented. They're, like, really talented, and uh, depending on the rapper, they're, like, really good and smart about what they do. But uh, in terms of, like, getting into it, it's the most simple. All you need is a DAW. You don't, uh, or, I mean, for other music styles, you don't technically need other stuff, but it helps. For rap stuff, it's better... I guess if you it's more of an use, option. <laughs> yeah, it's more of an option. I mean, there's rap artists like people like Tyler, Tyler the Creator, who their beats are very in depth and like tailored to the person. And there's a lot of beats that are, you know, very well put together. And then you have a very talented artist on top of that. And then there's the side of rap where it's like here's an eighth note hi-hat pattern and a re repeating like four bar loop for three minutes. <laughs> and then some guy mumbling in auto tune, like six, nine is a really good example. <laughs> and like, that's a thing. And it's like, well, I think six, nine yells more. <laughs> yeah. He does yell a lot. I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's, I guess my best guess would be like Lil Uzi. Or, yeah, yeah, I, I'm. I don't really. I can't really think of many examples because there's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't really like mumble rap that much, so I don't really listen to a lot of it. I sort of like it because you know, it's uh, once you realize what they're say saying, it usually gets a little bit better. Yeah, but, yeah, but also that requires you to think harder. <laughs> But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just prefer other styles of music over it. It's nothing against the genre. It's just... Eh. A lot of it isn't great. There are some really good standouts, but then the majority of it is kind of sus. <laughs> kind of sus. It is the imposter genre. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, sort of moving into another topic then. Um, new subject. Da -da -da. New subject. <laughs> Plays like a ringtone background. Not among us. <laughs> this time I'm going to let Bear go. This time I'm gonna let Baird go first for what he wants to learn because I went first for the last one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sus. <laughs> All right, Baird, you can start talking. <laughs> what does that sound like? Something Gianni would say. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Gianni is another one of our friends. He's dead. <laughs> what? He's not dead. <laughs> <She's Okay>. like, <laughs> He's dead. Bruh. Uh he he is currently he got deported a while back. Nah. <laughs> he's he's on a mission. You know, 
to find out who asked. <laughs> <laughs> he's on a mission because he's Mormon. So he's Sorry, gone for uh, two years. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints gave him. I'm going to have to ask you to okay. get the name right. Okay. <laughs> and Don't even ask me what the abbreviation for that is because I don't remember and it's really long. But yeah, he's one of our friends. Uh, he's been was for past a while. tense. He's dead now. Stop it. <laughs> he's not dead. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> because he talked to me. <laughs> Yo, he talked to me too. It could be someone impersonating him. They have his email, and they don't want us to realize he's dead. All right, all right. Let's just let's just go back to the topic. <laughs> what would Gianni think about this subject? Oh. <laughs> Gianni, we're asking you, can you please shoot us a message if you are dead? <laughs> Bro, well, how you. does that work? He'd be dead. He can't shoot us a message. From beyond the grave. He'd be like, yeah, bro, I'm dead. He just pops up in the car right now. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm dead. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyways. Go win some plushies at Sunsplash for me. I need the penguins. Oh, remember when he had, like, the penguins that yeah. he got? Those were awesome. This is all, uh stories about us <laughs> yeah this, this is mainly just like what is it like monologue or something like that yeah monologue yeah trauma dumping those things though bro i'm not gonna lie <laughs> all right that was at, like his birthday party we, had, we just like threw them from the top of the stairs of tyson and stuff yeah. that was epic um anyways yeah <laughs> back to topics <laughs> back to the topics so um what would you like to learn, Baird, overall, general? Yeah, so for me, um, when I started, like, producing and stuff, I started learning GarageBand probably five years ago, maybe longer. Um, and one of the things that I did was, as I got more into it, and I realized, like, all oh, this is something I really enjoy. Because when I first started it, it wasn't, you know, like, oh, this is going to be, like, my career for the rest of my life. <laughs> like, it's just something like, oh, this is kind of fun to mess around on. I wonder if I can make anything good. Um, but as I got more into it, and I think as I transitioned into Logic, I made, like, a list of because I was more serious about it at that point. I really enjoyed what I did, and I felt like, okay, I can do something with this. Um, so I made a list of like all these different things that I wanted to do that involved music production. Um, some of the stuff I have marked off that list, stuff like start a podcast, I have done that. <laughs> um, stuff like form a rap group, um, I did that. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. Um, stuff like sell beats. I did that. Start a YouTube channel. I did that. Um, there stuff, you know, like that's not really like music related, I guess. Stuff like, you know, work on a video game and like soundtrack a video game. Um, I'm still working on that. Um, so I have this list of stuff. And there's a lot that I haven't gotten to that I want to do, like, in my lifetime. Like, uh, run studio sessions, which I sort of do. I teach, like, music lessons for production, but it's not quite the same. Um, I want to teach, like, an actual class of people how to produce. Um, I want to soundtrack a movie at some point. That'd be cool. Um, so, yeah, there, it's, there's a lot of stuff, like, on the list, and I just sort of check it off and 
anytime I think of something new that it involves music that I'm like, okay, I can, you know, learn to do this at some point, I will get there. I just throw it on the list and then eventually I get to it or eventually I won't. And that's sort of how I learn to do things. Um, nice. Yeah. It's really weird thinking about if I hadn't start music production, like how different my life would be now. Yeah, because it's definitely something you do the most and you really enjoy it. Yeah. So. And even with like the friend group and stuff, like how much, like we wouldn't have done like a ton of stuff last all last year if I hadn't learned how to do music production. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing this podcast right now if I hadn't, you know, done music production. Um, so it's, it's really interesting how much that's impacted, like, my life and my, like, friendships with other people. Um, yeah. How about you, Gabe? What's good in the hood? <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely want to learn more music because... I've only been doing music for maybe a year, uh, actually a little over a year. Um, I still have like a lot to learn. Uh, melodies, I think, is like one of the more Shawty, specific like things. Melody. <laughs> <laughs> melodies are like uh, one of the more specific things I want to learn for uh, like music production because right now I kind of suck at it. I'm like in terms of uh, how fast to create them. Because I can create melodies, but I kind of just place notes, and if it sounds good, I keep it. If not, then I change it. <laughs> but, yeah, that's... Uh, definitely want to learn more about that. I also want to learn how to uh, sound design. That would be really cool. Because then I could literally make my own sounds. Fart sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna engineer a fart sample. <laughs> Engineers bruh sound effect, don't you? Bruh. Bruh. Uh, but besides music, uh, I definitely want to learn more on the electronic side. Like I want to learn more. Um, I guess bare bones hardware, like. Uh, Instead, because I do know a lot of PC hardware, like graphics cards, um, processors, mother... But, uh, yeah, like how to make a computer and stuff like that. I definitely want to learn more about, like, the smaller parts of it. You know, like uh, semiconductors, resistors, actual circuit boards themselves. I feel like it'd be cool to actually make something like that. Um, and then also... I do want to learn, like, uh, a programming language. Either that be, like, C++, Java, whatever. I think that'd be pretty cool as well. Because I could use that um, and make a ton of stuff software side. Yeah, you can make plugins and stuff. Yeah. And uh, along with that, along with uh, coding, um, I also want to learn how to make video games. Because... I, def I, like, probably for the longest time now, I've wanted to learn how to make video games. Because, you know, I'm like, I love video games. <laughs> but I'm like, I always want to make one because I want to see if I can make one that I, I like and a ton of other people like and will play as well. But, um, yeah, video game, like, making a video game, I think is my number one thing I want to learn. 
but also probably the hardest. Yeah, making video games is a lot more complicated than people think. Especially if you're using, like, a team to make it. Because it's... <laughs> uh. yeah. it, it has its own set of problems, either if you use a team or if you're an indie developer. Because while an indie developer, you handle everything, so you won't have to collaborate with everyone to make sure everything's all good. Uh, you also have to do all the work by yourself. <laughs> but if you work with a team, you have to collaborate with them, and you have to, you know, kind of, um, kind of like co-make it, I guess. Yeah, you have to manage all the different like moving parts. Yeah, it's a pain. I've tried <laughs> both ways. Um, when I was probably like eleven, I. Was, I've always had, like, an interest in video games, so when I was 11, I used to make my own video games on, like, different programming languages. I studied a couple programming languages. I don't remember any of them now, <laughs> but, uh, at one point, that was a thing that I did, and now, in the last, like, year, I have, like, a video game team, and we're working on a game, and it is... I, I would say it's easier as a team... Because you've got people to bounce your idea. It's easier, like, as a team, it's easier, and you get a better end product most of the time. Because you've got people to bounce your ideas off of, and because it's not just you working on it. Um, yeah, you got, like, different yeah. minds to diversify or whatever. Yeah, and I feel like it just, like, it's easier because you've got, you know, more people to handle the workload. But it's also way more stressful, and <laughs> it's leads to a lot of like you know if if you need someone to program something and your programmer just decides that they don't want to answer you for a week then you have a problem which is the problem i run into a lot is these people uh don't respond because <laughs> i don't know them in real life so it's just like over discord or something that is going active and don't answer for a month or they'll like upload something and then they'll be like okay I mean, they finished that this week, and then they just never respond back, and you're sitting there, like, waiting, and it's this whole problem, because if you don't have models for something, then you can't have the programmers do anything, Yeah. and then, like, there's no point making audio at that point, because you've got nothing to stick it to, and so everybody's waiting on the modelers, and nothing happens for like a good month, two months. But then by the time the modelers pull up and start doing their thing, their programmers are like off at school or something and don't have free time anymore. So then we have to wait for the programmers. And it's, if, if yeah, working as a team is a lot more complicated, especially if you don't know all the people on the team. And... In some ways, it's a lot easier. In some ways, it ends up with a better end result. Um, but doing it alone does have its pros and cons. Doing it as a team does have pros and cons. It's a lot more complicated than people think. Because they're just like, oh, you get a team together, drop some assets, yeah. program real quick, and you've got a game. But that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you want something cool. I mean, you could do that. It just wouldn't be a good game. So... Yeah, I think I prefer uh, being an indie developer more than a team, mainly because I'm not that fan of uh, like that much of a fan of working in a team, but also because um, 
I get to manage everything. I don't have to uh, rely on anybody else to uh, do stuff for me. While that would, you know, get rid of some of the workload, it definitely um, is a little bit more of a variable than if you were to do it yourself. Yeah. I do feel like the best option between the two is like you and one other person. Because then, like, especially like a friend, because then one of you would work on, you know, like half the stuff, the other person would work on the other half, and then it'd be a little bit more like, uh, like codependent. Yeah. If, if you're going to have a team or something, doing it with people who you know IRL works best just because then you can like like they can't just not talk to you for a month <laughs> i mean they can but they could but then it's like okay i'm kicking you out because you're <laughs> like like i don't know what's going on with people on the other side of discord you know sometimes they just have family problems and they're moving around a lot sometimes they've broken their computer yeah so it's like i never know because i don't know them so i can't like i feel bad being like okay i'm gonna kick you off the team bro because you're not doing anything <laughs> yeah. and they're like i'm sorry bro i've had finals this entire week please <laughs> yeah so yeah if you're gonna do it like a team like gabe was saying probably like a couple people i'd say like the smallest team what works the best that i've found is maybe like five people you want someone to do audio someone to code someone to do uh asset development and then someone to do concept art, and then you want someone who's in charge of the whole thing and usually manages, like, everything, which is... Basically like a director. Yeah. That would be my job. I'm also the audio guy, and I sometimes do concept art. Um, but, yeah, usually smaller teams are better. Maybe, like, two people is underkill unless you can do everything yourself, in yeah. which case... Yeah, that probably works. But if you're, you know, most people don't have the skill to use Blender, Unity, Logic, <laughs> as well as, like, yeah. manage everything online. Or other softwares yeah. that are similar. But, yeah, it, having uh, those different skills is, you know, most uh, most people don't learn all of them. They mainly learn one. That's probably why having a team of, like, five would be best because you all have one skill that you're really good at. All you could focus on that and do all that. Yeah. Because it's always like the argument of if I can do all these skills at a mediocre level, is that better just doing it like myself and having it all be mediocre? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, having a team of like five people who are all exceptional at this one skill and then having an exceptional end product because of that. Yeah. So... The one is, you know, doing it on your own is a lot easier in most regards or like less stressful because it's just unity that you have to rely on. But there's yeah. also like, how good actually are you at doing <laughs> everything? So. Yeah, doing it just yourself is more predictable. Yeah, you got to know your limits when you're doing stuff like that. Can I actually, you know, model this entire game? Can I, you know, program it all to work the way I want? Do I have the skill set for that, the experience? Yeah. You know? That's why adding more people is more of a variable. And that's why uh, big companies, like AAA game companies, they set deadlines 
that they want to have their developers meet, which sometimes is decent, but most of the time it doesn't work out too great. Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> yeah, that one was that one was bad. Yeah, I mean, it, apparently it's really good now. Yeah, but. Yeah. Because they fixed most of the bugs. But it's been like a year, though, right? Yeah. But also, you know, when it was first coming out, uh, people were Ooh. sending death threats to the... Yeah. Uh, like, the director or whatever. Um, so, it basically was like, for safety reasons, they had to release the game. <laughs> yeah. Which is... Which sucks. I get it. But, like, it sucks that that was the reason. Instead of, uh, you know, people actually uh, being okay with waiting a little bit and, you know, having the game take its time. That's why people appreciate uh, indie developers more, because when it's a AAA company, they're like, oh my gosh, you need to finish this now. Yeah. <laughs> when it's an indie developer, they're like, oh, you're doing this all by yourself? It's okay, we could wait seven years. <laughs> yeah, because like with Cyberpunk 2077, if they just waited one more year and had the update that they had now be how they released it, then like everybody would have loved it because it's actually good now. Yeah. But they released it, like... I mean, they've already been working on it for like seven years, so that's still not much of an excuse. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But still, like that... Yeah, sometimes you just need a little bit more time. Um, yeah. As far as indie teams go, like, there's a big difference between indie teams and, like, A, you know, AAA teams. Like Gabe was saying, you know, it, big development companies can put, you know, we need the game by this time. They can put that down. You can do that on an indie team as well, but the problem is, if you're not getting paid straight up, then that's nearly impossible to do and the game will not get finished by then. Um, because the thing that I've found when working on indie games is nobody wants to give out free labor <laughs> to a game that may or may not ever get finished. You know, you've got this team and you're working. If everybody feels that way everybody's going to be slacking, so the game is not going to get made. And then there's the one person, like me and my team, who actually wants the game to get finished, and I work really hard to get it finished, but everyone else is like, well, it might not get finished. And I'm just like, that's why it's not getting finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like 99% of the time, people just don't want to give free labor in general. <laughs> yeah, so. and it's, you know, you're an indie dev. You can't pay them. You know, the payment would come after you make the game, but it's, they're like, eh, but I'm not sure I want to work for free. Well, then why are you on an indie game dev team? Go work for a AAA company. Yeah. But I can't. Then you got to start somewhere. Yeah, that's why AAA game companies are a lot more successful than indie developers. Yeah. I mean, indie developers definitely, I think, make better games that are more unique, but the uh, bigger companies, I guess, make more refined... Well, depending on the company, they can be more refined or just uh, have a lot of content in a smaller amount of time. Yeah. I mean, there's when you're working for a AAA company, there's an incentive. You've, yeah. you've got a deadline. You're being paid to get it to that deadline. Yeah. And then there's the money that comes after the game is finished. Mm -hmm. And then, you know after that game is finished, you still have work. Whereas with, as an indie dev, 
if you just join someone's random team, like none of that is promised. <laughs> yeah. The, the, Basically, it's all almost like chance. a big risk. Yeah. But, like, what else are you going to do? You're working on an indie game dev team. You probably can't get onto a AAA company. <laughs> and the whole idea is, like, you don't want somebody else telling you what, how to make your game, which is what would happen if you joined a AAA company. Yeah. But if everybody has the mentality that, well, the game might never get finished because nobody wants to put work in, you're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you're the reason it's like that. You can't go into it thinking like that yeah it's it's a whole mess any other things you want to say regarding game development or any of that stuff uh game i don't think i really have anything else about game development you know i i definitely like indie games i guess that'd be the only other thing that i would say because uh indie games i feel like there's a lot more special time spent on it as opposed to triple a games that sometimes yeah because it's more of a hobby right yeah yeah it's uh, well um it's your free time you're putting into it so yeah most of the time when it comes to indie developers uh they actively want to make the game not like you know they need to to pay their yeah it's not your job i mean i guess it is but it's not like you're you know this is how I'd live. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like indie games, especially in like the last maybe, I want to say like eight to ten years, the they've really broken out and become like their own thing. Like now, as an indie developer, it's less um, up for chance. I mean, there's been a lot of like indie developers who have made it big, but in the recent years, like the amount that I can count say starting around when slender and fnaf popped up like those started that whole like indie wave yeah that and i think undertale that yeah yeah the it was like uh fnaf slender undertale limbo uh there was a couple other ones that just like nobody knew these people and before that indie games were sort of like a once every other year a big one would pop up but these games like it was a swarm of them in like one year that just blew up yeah and it's interesting because they were all like horror games except for undertale i mean but undertale does have some elements of horror in it yeah like they were all on that side of the internet if that makes sense the more like creepy (laughs) pasta yeah like yeah Undertale also had a little bit more uh, wholesome moments in it too. Yeah, but um, it's more of like an RPG style as well. But because I think what people learned is that at least for horror games, um, you know, they don't want just the same old like jump scares or whatever. They want more unique gameplay. And when you have indie developers that make different games like that, then you get more unique games. Yeah. Which, I mean, also brings it back to the point of, like, oversaturation. Because if anybody can make a, you know, any random person on Discord can make a video game, <laughs> then the odds that suddenly you just have a bunch of FNAF ripoffs with crappy jump scares, like... I mean, there are already some of those. Yeah, there's but... already a ton. Which yeah. is, 
like especially in the FNAF community, I know FNAF gets clowned on a lot. Five Nights at Freddy's, for those of you who don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know how you would not know, but... <laughs> yeah. It gets clowned on a lot. And I mean, it does deserve a lot of it, but also... Scott Cawthorn, that first game that he made, he made with like super limited just base resources. And as someone who's tried, you know, making games, the way he put it together was completely genius and like really takes a lot of skill. He took basically nothing and made like one of the best selling horror games of all time with it. And I, th I still think the community is sort of cringy and weird, <laughs> but then there also are a lot of really talented people. Like, a lot of FNAF fan games are better than the actual games and look like yeah. actual AAA titles. Yeah, which is crazy. It's insane how much effort goes into them and how skilled some of these people are. Yeah. It's like, um, it's almost like the quote goes where it's like, limitations the imposter is sus. <laughs> that's just that's not the quote <laughs> wrong quote wrong quote among us <laughs> i'm pretty sure the quote was that limitations um bring out innovation yeah like you know how uh yeah like, the first Mario was made. Like, you know, they had very limited hardware, but they made these, like, uh, genius melodies and actual, like, uh, crazy gameplay with basically nothing. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, because there's stuff like that, and then there's, like, the first FNAF, which is very bare-bones. Like, the whole office is that you start in is actually just, like, a flat 2d image that he edited to make it look using like sh light shaders and stuff to make it look like it's a 3d you know office yeah which is like the the map's just a 2d flat th like images that he used to make it seem like a full 3d environment and then there's stuff like mario and then there's stuff like the first sonic where they were like yeah okay, let's just make this crazy fast and you know <laughs> yeah the first sonic was actually like really like cool when it came out it's yeah. definitely a really recognizable character like mario especially because then there's you know a different console that had its own limitations you know different sound yeah. uh hardware uh or slash game hardware so they had to work within those limitations and made a pretty cool game yeah it's always the limitations, but we're talking about all these games, and we haven't even mentioned the Godfather. Pong. Oh, let's go! Yeah, Pong? Who <laughs> baby, let's go! That was, like, the first Atari game. I don't think it was the first game ever. I, th I believe I looked up one time, and it was, like, this tennis game on, like, this really exclusive TV or whatever. I don't even remember but I think the first one was like a tennis game on like a NASA computer in some dude's like uh, lab, at least as far yeah. as I remember. Yeah, uh, but Pong was the first uh, widespread successful video game that came out. Yeah, and the, the the dude who created like a or who was in charge of Atari, 
Bane's a genius because he made Atari and he's like a millionaire because of that. And then he started Chuck E. Cheese and he's a millionaire <laughs> because of that. So he's just making bank after bank. Also, Chuck E. Cheese is really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, now that FNAF has been made. That Even before that, too. I remember going there as a kid and it, it was just like something about those, those pl places like that. Like, they give off a very liminal feel, and it just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, it's probably because the animatronics and the... Um, Fits into that whole, like, uncanny valley, and then, like, also yeah. the buildings are very, like, liminal. Yeah. Taps into both of those. They also try and make it very uh, saturated, you know, with, like, the kids' uh, minds or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely very liminal <laughs> yeah it all the old memories i have of those places i'm <laughs> no i think i've only been there once and i don't remember it which is good <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I think it's also interesting as far as like indie game development how they managed to take unique spaces like i don't really think there were any games about like you know you they take this these really abstract concepts like being stuck overnight in a pizzeria with animatronics <laughs> that's taps into like your fear of being alone your fear of liminal spaces and the fear of the uncanny valley and in inanimate objects which are all like extremely massive fears especially in childhood yeah. and make up some of the like biggest fears of the human mind and it takes this really weird concept that like you don't really see triple a studios pulling something as random as like chuck e cheese but evil yeah. <laughs> and then you know like it's a thing and it works really really well and i think that's really interesting how they're able to like think outside the box and come up with this, you know, semi random feeling idea that spawns like a great game. Yeah. yeah here, let's see. Um, Besides that, I'm not entirely sure. What else do we want to talk about? Because remember, kids, always add. Sound goodizer to everything. <laughs> Sound goodizer is where it's at. <laughs> you need at least 17 instances of Sound goodizer on every track on the mixing bus. Yep, FL Studio all the way. <laughs> Let's go. Oh my gosh. If you're actually trying to take this serious, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. It will sound like crap. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one is alright, depending <laughs> on, you know, how good you are in uh, FL Studio, but if, yeah. you're, you know, if you're becoming like a pro, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, just just use OTT instead. It, yeah. OTT is a lot better. Yeah, it makes audio 4K. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I definitely also like vocals, like vocal chops, stuff like that interesting stuff with vocals in music yeah that's like the one area that i haven't uh like i'm not as good at because making beats i like i i had that down to the point where i can 
I can go on autopilot and do that without thinking. Yeah. But vocal stuff, because I haven't, like, I don't get a lot of chances to practice with vocals unless it's something like with our group or with yeah. one of the random people who I do stuff with online. Yeah. So I'm not as good as that. I don't have as much practice. It's a lot harder than it seems. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of like uh, vocal chops, I can kind of do it. You know, I it definitely sounds good depending on uh, what you do. But I feel like getting the like effects to add onto vocals, getting all that right is definitely hard. Yeah, especially because you can have. Uh, you know, everyone has a very unique voice. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got that variable on top of the variable of what kind of microphone they're using, what kind of, like, preamp they're using. If there's any background noise. Yeah, which is... Oh, gosh. <laughs> background noise is horrible. It is. It's hard to get rid of because it just kind of embeds itself with the actual audio. Yeah. Number one rule for anyone... If you ever have background noise, it's not because your mic sucks, it's not because your computer sucks, it's because your room isn't treated. <laughs> There's going to be white noise in any room that is not treated, and that's just how it works. Sometimes, though, Bruh. there are microphones that just give off white noise for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> and it sucks. They got that white noise signal. But if you have, like, a semi-decent microphone... That's not the problem. <laughs> if yeah. you have a semi-decent computer, that's not going to be the problem. And in in most cases, even a low-end computer, that won't be the problem. But yeah, definitely sound treatment will be a definite thing that you would need to do. because Even if it's just like a blanket or something around the microphone area that you're recording in? like Yeah, because uh, if you, you know... You're singing or whatever, you know, it's loud enough, uh, even if it's quiet enough, uh, and you're in an enclosed space slash room, um, it'll bounce off walls because that's what audio does. And it'll reflect back onto the mic and either create, you know, reverb, which you can do that um, manually. Yeah, you can do that manually. You can the add dog. reverb, but you can't remove reverb. It's yeah. baked into the audio with the white noise. Yeah. Even a place like this, like we're sitting in a car recording, and first off, cars are really good recording places if you don't have a treated you know, room or something because they are generally treated to remove a lot of outside noise. Yeah. But there's still going to be white noise from stuff coming through the walls, so there will be white noise in the back of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, when you're... Recording a little bit more professionally, not like us in the back of a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you're recording more professionally, um, you definitely want to be closer to the microphone because your voice will be louder and... Yes, we're kind of far away. <laughs> yeah, your voice will be louder. Among us! <laughs> your voice will be louder and... Uh, what you call it? The white noise in the background will stay pretty much the same level depending on how far you are away from your mic. So the quieter you are, you know, the more the white noise will show up. Yeah, that's probably the question I get. So I do lessons on Fiverr where I teach people like over Zoom how to use programs like GarageBand and Logic, you know, how to produce their podcast or their music. 
the thing that I get asked the most beyond like the 80 year olds who just don't know how to use computers and are like, how, what does the space bar do? <laughs> stuff like that. The number one question I get asked about is like, how do I remove white noise? Or I've got this, I recorded it and it sounded good, but there's this weird crackling in the back. And every time I'm just, I just have to be like, you can't really get rid of that. You just gonna have to re-record and make sure you're in like a smaller treated area or try and treat an area as best as you can. Um, and every time they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I've, I've had to explain so many times how white noise works and how you can't like magically remove it from the audio once it's recorded. Well, I mean... As of recently, there's been a lot of, like, uh, innovation for, like, AI-type stuff that can help get rid of most of it. Some I've tried some of it, though, and a lot of it isn't that great. It, <laughs> yeah. it depends on the white noise level. Yeah. But, yeah, it doesn't work for all applications. And, uh, what you call it? Most of the time, you'll at least have some white noise somewhere if you don't have, like, a professional sound area microphone stuff like that yeah if you're trying to record something i would suggest first off blankets and pillows work really well um the way that i would probably get like if you don't have because you know most people don't have the room or the time or the money to sound treat an area so probably the best way to do it is Go in the back of your car, because that's usually where the walls are thickest. Um, you know, the section, maybe not the trunk, but away from, like, the doors. So, like, the middle to back section, if you can take out, like, your back seats, that works really well. Go in the back seat of your car, because that's where the sound will be uh, enclosed the best. And then if you've got pillows or blankets, bring those in with you and that will create like an extra added barrier. And um, if you have a way to like hang blankets up, do that to create like a booth area. If not, just put them along the edges. And that's like how you're going to get a really nice, clean take without, you know, spending a ton of money um, or, you know, and it seems like a lot of work. It usually is. But it's worth not having, like, a really weird, fuzzy background noise on a really good take. And then having to redo it anyway because you can't use it. <laughs> yeah. So, it's... there. Recording is a lot more complicated than people think. Yeah. The general rule of thumb, though, is if you want to at least eliminate most of the background noise... Get, just get closer to your microphone. Yeah, closer to your microphone and smaller space. People yeah. always come to me telling me they're recording in like their front room and asking what's wrong. And I'm just like, <laughs> you've got so much space. There's so many reflections, dude. Yeah. Recording like a closet or something or your bedroom. Yeah, the smaller the room, the easier it is to eliminate the extra sound. Less reflections, mm -hmm. less places for the audio to bounce around and, you know, come at your microphone from different ways. I like how we went from what music we like to video games to giving sound advice. <laughs> That's usually how it is with the podcast. You start off with something and it just sort of flows around. Also, it's raining outside. A little bit. 
It's like somebody wrote Gabe on the <laughs> on the window. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sprinkling just a little bit outside. I wrote poo poo on your window. Nah, how dare you? Poo poo. Emotional pee pee poo poo. If you haven't heard it already, go check out Emotional Pee Pee Poo Poo. Atticusy, we love you. <laughs> what a legend. Pee Pee Poo Poo. Fortnite! But in order to, like, you know, finish up the podcast at some point, we'll have to get some Baja Blast. Make it true. That is a good idea. Yeah, so we're probably going to cut the podcast off right here. Um, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was good to have the Gababe. <laughs> in with us yeah i definitely gotta get some uh baja blast and you know stay true to the podcast name <laughs> yes baja blast i haven't had baja blast in a while actually i had like the whole two weeks of no caffeine and then i was like i need caffeine after the two weeks and i went and got a normal mountain dew and i was just like a <laughs> 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 <Yeah>, reason <laughs> yeah. i have ascended <laughs> yeah. i am now one with jesus <laughs> But yeah, that was uh, Baja Talks with uh, me, you know, Gabriel, and Baird here, the Let's go. The main producer. <laughs> yeah, and like I was saying, uh, Gabe does music also. I'll link his stuff in the bio or whatever, like, I don't know, the description of the episode. Um, he does, like, chiptune music on Spotify and stuff, so you can check that out. Um... I definitely plan on doing different genres, but as of right now, I'm doing chiptune. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that fire episode. Um, if you guys have like anything that you want, you know, us to talk about, me and whoever else comes on, in, in whatever episode, shoot me a message or like stick it in the comments, or follow like. You can you can message like the Baja Talks account, or like if you know me, you can text me on like my private account or something, or I don't know. Um, I'm not sure who's gonna be next. I think it might be either Patrick or Gabe and Dylan, but we will see, and I will see you guys next time. Me too. <laughs> Baja Talks. Baja talks for the win. Sussy. Sus. Amuros. Bye bye.